0: But Sunday by Sunday, what we do is we hear from God's Word, and we listen, and we respond as God's people. you ready to hear from His Word this morning? Hebrews chapter 10, Pastor Gerald will be speaking, preaching out of verses 19 to 39. I'll read these for us. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there are no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment, and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries." Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people... It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith, And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back, no we are not, and not destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls.
1: All right, so as we heard, we're continuing in Hebrews in our series, looking at Jesus' greater, Jesus is even the greater Kevin, right, as we've seen here um, so grab your Bibles, open up to Hebrews 10, <clears throat> looking at verses 19 through 39. As we've said, you know, the, the, the gospel here, the author has been delving into the gospel for the last couple chapters, going quite deep and showing us how this works, what Jesus has done, and uh, celebrating it. He's really focused on it because he wants us to get it, right? He's like, you got to get this. This is super important. And then what we're going to see this morning is that he makes a shift. In fact, the verses we're looking at is where he makes this shift um, to give us a lot of application. Now, what do we do with this? In fact, a lot of people believe Hebrews is a big sermon. I would encourage you to read it all at once and listen to it as a sermon. And this is where he shifts. Okay, if this is what the gospel has been for four chapters, here's now what you've got to do with it for the rest of the book. And so we'll see that uh, this morning. And really, I think what the author has given us here in these verses is the basic pattern of the Christian life. Okay, big picture, basic pattern. He's going to tell us if the gospel is true, then you ought to run to Jesus because it's the best thing out there. And then once you run to him, you need to stay with him, persevere with him through this life because he's going to be faithful to do everything that he has said. And the best way to do that is to keep getting together with people that believe in Jesus and encourage one another and walk with each other through the whole thing. This is what he's going to tell us. Draw near to Jesus, persevere with Jesus, meet together and encourage one another in Jesus. This is what God is calling how he's calling us to respond um, to the gospel. And so I believe God has for us, for all of us, to go deeper in one of those areas this morning. And so as we look at that, listen to the Lord, see what he's telling you. Where do you need to go deeper in what he's saying this morning? And so let's look at what the author has for us when he tells us to draw near to Jesus. Okay, this is in verses 19 through 22. He says again, Therefore, brothers, and we'll include the sisters too, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, here it is, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here again, he's summarizing the whole gospel message for us, that in Christ we have been made new, that we had a sin debt against God that we couldn't pay. It estranged us from God. God saw us in our brokenness. He sent His Son to save us. He lived the perfect life that God desired, and then He died on the cross to pay for our sins. And when we include ourselves in Christ, He washes our hearts clean, and we are fully accepted by Him. We can be totally sure That God sees us as perfectly holy and made new, and he is forever happy with us. This is the gospel. This is what the, the author has been telling us over the last couple of chapters. And he says, if you will confess Jesus with your mouth, then you can be sure your sins are washed away, your heart is made clean, and God is happy with you forever. Happy with you. This is amazing. And if that's true, he says, you ought to run to Jesus, because <laughs> that's the best thing this, that is in this life. Run to him. The best news in the world that we could be loved and accepted by God. There's, think about it. There's, there's nothing you could do to be more accepted to, by God, and there's nothing you could do that would lessen God's love for you. That's what he's been telling us. He's saying, you ought to run to him. You know, almost every morning I get up, and I'm usually lagging behind my children a bit because one of them has to be out the door by 6.45. And one of my favorite things in the morning is when my daughter comes down, and she runs to me and says, Daddy! And she comes up, and she gives me a big hug. And she hugs me really tight and says, You're the best dad in the whole world. Right? And I say, You're the best daughter in the whole world. Now, my sons might debate that a bit, but I'm going to take it... um, from her, but this is this is what Hebrews is saying to us, right? If if this is true about the gospel, then you ought to run to Jesus, because he loves you. He wants, he has his arms open and accepting of you, and you got to run to him every chance you get. And really think about this: the Christian life is about learning to run to Jesus faster and faster. The quicker you learn to run to Jesus because you know He loves you, the better it's going to go for you. In fact, the better we will do at fighting our sin because we know that we're fully accepted when we can run to Him even when we're struggling. The better we'll do at walking through hard circumstances because we know we have a God that has promised to be with us, and he will, he will help us. And in fact, as you run to Jesus and you begin to stay closer to Him, You'll see there's nothing better in the world. It makes your heart just sing. And so the more we grow in Christ, the more we learn to run to Him. And so I'd say, if you've made Jesus Lord, then run to Him this morning. Even even if you don't know Him, then He's saying, come to me for the first time. Check it out, right? I love you. I've done great things, and I've made a way for you to be with me. And so I think the author is asking this morning, What do you need to run to him with, right? He's made a way for you. He loves you. He's shown you how much he loves you, and he can make you perfectly clean. What do you need to bring to him this morning? Run to him. Bring him your struggle, your praises, your hurts, and know that he will say, I am so glad to see you. You're one of my favorite kids. So this is the first part of the Christian life that the author gives to us. Draw near to Jesus. If this gospel is true, then you ought to run to Jesus because it's really good. And then this is the second part of the Christian life he gives us. He says now, persevere with Jesus. Hebrews 10, 23, and then 26 through 31. Look at 23. It says again, based on what Jesus did, let us then hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Okay, This is an interesting verse. I love Hebrews puts these almost seemingly contradictory ideas together. We saw that last week, that we're accepted and yet we're growing in. And here he has our confession, uh, holding fast our confession, and yet God is faithful. Okay, So we're going to see how these work together. He's calling us to persevere in Jesus. When he says, hold fast our confession of hope, it means basically hold on to your heart's acceptance of the gospel. The fact that you have said I believe this gospel truth and I want to I live for him, right? The hope that God will save you from your sins now and, and teach you how to grow in him and that one day you'll have eternal life for Him. He says, hold on to that. Okay, don't, don't let it go. Don't let anything cause you to stray from this truth because it's the most important truth that has ever come to mankind. And we know that the world and Satan... They try to steal away that hope at every turn, right? Satan's whole mission in this world is to get you to turn from that hope to be hopeless. And so he's saying we got to persevere. In fact, this is one of the most important words in the Christian life is persevere. Keep going. Get up because you got a Father that loves you. He's made a way in Christ. And it's so easy to get focused on all the pressing circumstances and the hurts around us and take our eyes off the gospel. And so how are we able to do that? How are we able to hold on to the hope that God has given us? It's actually right here in this verse. We can hold on because we know that God is faithful. What he's saying to us is we have to ground our hope in God's character in his faithfulness. Listen, your ability to hang on is not based in you. (laughs) It's based on what God has done and what he will do. It's turning and looking at these things. We can read the Bible and look at God's faithfulness over thousands of years to save many, right, to lead people to him. The fact that Jesus did come and fulfill all the promises should be uh, proof enough to us to hold on to the hope. It's going to happen. He will save you. He is coming back, as this passage is telling us. And when we get those things in our heart, when we look to God's faithfulness, that's when we can hang on. I kind of picture it like a roller coaster, right? You get in this roller coaster and what do they say to you? All right, hang on. Who's doing the hanging on there? (laughs) Right? This roller coaster I get strapped into, and it will make it all the way to the end. And there's going to be some ups and downs, and there's going to be things that make me feel sick, and things I don't like, but it will get me back to the end of the track. It's hanging on to me. Now, I may sit there gripped a little bit, but at the end of the day, I know that that thing is going to get me there, and that's what God is saying to you. I want you to hang on, but I want you to do it because I am the one who's faithful. I'm the one that's going to get you there. Let us hold fast our confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And this is a great hope. We've said it this morning already. You know, this Christmas time is when we celebrate the hope of the gospel that has come to us from God. It's such a wonderful thing. The beauty of the Christmas season is that light is interrupting the darkness in the cold of winter, you know, December 21st is my favorite day of the year. Can you guess why? Because that's the shortest day of the year, and that means everything else is looking up from there, right? It's no surprise that Jesus came at the winter solstice, at the, at the bottom of our year, the darkest point, when it is the coldest, and we may be without hope the most to say, here's some hope. This is not where it ends. It's going to get brighter from here. That's what we're celebrating during the Christmas time. We cling to the hope that in Jesus, and it brings us joy and peace in the middle of life. In fact, this really is the fruit of hope. When you have a hope, you have great joy and peace no matter what goes on. When you have this sure hope that God is going to do exactly what he says, it puts a little pep in your step, right? I had this this year. You know, when you have a sure hope, it does. It changes your day. And uh, and nothing is sure in this life, but things get pretty sure sometimes. Um, and and Amy, my wife, you know, she hasn't worked for many years now because she's been taking care of our kids. That was a decision we made to invest in our kids. And this is the first year that she's been working again. And when she had done one of her first deals this year and had a paycheck for sure on the way, that brought me some joy. <laughs> Right? When you have a sure hope that things are going to get a little better, it brings you a lot of peace and joy. And that's what the author is reminding us. Jesus has done all these things. It is a sure thing that he has done, and it's going to get better. So hold on to that and let it bring you joy and peace in the midst of everything. In fact, I like what Paul says in Romans 15, 13, and, and I'd encourage you, make this your prayer this Advent season. Make this your prayer as we think about the hope that we have in the gospel. Paul says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He's saying because you know what God has done, you let it fill you with joy and peace no matter what you have going on. And let the Holy Spirit work in your heart to confirm that hope and carry you through everything that's going on in life. Because this hope is sure. He's going to do it. right? Okay, now, the author in Hebrews 10, 26 through 31, he's going to give us a warning about what happens if we don't persevere in the gospel. And, and these are tough verses. We, we heard them this morning. They're, they're not friendly. But I want you to see they're really meant to spur us on to hold on to spur us on to keep going in the faith in Jesus. And so let's look at his warning about falling away here in verses 26 through 31. Basically, he says, if you hear the gospel message, and you understand it to some level, and then you continue in sin after knowing that gospel message, basically, deliberately walking in sin away from the gospel then don't be fooled to think that Christ's sacrifice is going to pay for your sins. Those are tough words, okay? In fact, he's saying, be warned that if your lifestyle is to deliberately rebel against God and everything that he is saying to us, even though you know the right thing to do, then you can expect not hope and mercy and love, but judgment, and he says it with the fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I mean, this is strong language, right? These are the passages of the Bible that keep us up at night. And I just want to say, if you've ever wrestled with this one, and I, I know many of you have, you've mentioned it to me before, you gotta, we have to take these and we have to balance them with the rest of Scripture, okay? We've got to take this in the whole context of what God says. Has said to us. And sometimes these verses are hard for us because we have friends and we have family members that seemingly have been walking with God and they have abandoned God altogether and we're worried for them. Okay? And these are serious verses and they're serious for a reason. The author wants to wake us up to the seriousness of sin and walking away from God, to even consider our lives and go, Am I following Jesus? Do I have a hope of good things or do I have a judgment to come? You don't want to say, the deliberate sin here that the author is talking about, he's not talking about you wrestling deeply with sin and falling into it occasionally. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about unintentional sins where you do things and you didn't even realize that that was something God didn't want you to do. In fact, it's sometimes funny to talk with new believers and they, you know, they're going along, and love Jesus, and then they do some things and then they see in the Bible, that's not what God had for me. They go, wow, I didn't even know that, right? And they begin to change their heart. It's not even talking about pulsive sin where we, we get caught up in the moment and we just do stupid things. That's not the sin this is talking about. This is talking about knowing who God is, the way he calls us to live, And basically, you give God the bird. Say, I'm going to do it my way, God. I want no part of you. I like what I'm doing. Stay out of my life. And this sin is the very heart of rebellion that estranged Adam and Eve from God in the garden. And here's the scary thing. When you look at God and say, I don't want you in my life, he says, go ahead, knock yourself out. Have at it. See what it's like. See what a life without me is like. I want to say, too, that, listen, God is gracious to warn us of these things, right? He's saying, look at, by the way, if you walk away from me, that road leads to destruction. It doesn't have to, but that's where that goes. And as it says there in verse 30 and 31, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. (laughs) I don't want to be in that position. Hebrews 10, 28, and 29, it goes on to remind us. It says, hey, look, remember what happened to the Israelites when they they refused to follow the law of Moses? God disciplined them, and some of them were destroyed. And if you think that was bad, then if you walk away from who Jesus is, God is going to be furious. (laughs) I don't want God to be furious at me. And listen, I want to say this. Believers don't do this. This is not the heart of believers to walk away from God. Believers will eventually yield to the Spirit's work in their life. If you're a believer, this won't be you as we're going to see. This kind of sin points to an unregenerate heart. I believe that what he's talking about here is people that know what the gospel message is and yet they refuse God and their hearts have never been changed by the gospel and so they walk away. They've had the offer of salvation, the contract on the table, and they say, nah, I'll do it my way. This is not talking about believers that were once saved and then became unsaved, because that is impossible. Because as you said, it's God who holds our salvation. Listen, if we held our salvation, we'd screw it up. I know me too well. I wouldn't get 30 seconds into it and I'd be done. A believer may sin deliberately at times. And listen, every time you sin, it is deliberate, by the way. You make a decision to do it. And you may even sin for a long time, but ultimately a believer's heart will be pricked and softened by the Spirit. And they will come back and they will repent. They will yield to God because it's God who's working in them. Part of the great hope we have in Jesus is that God is the one doing the work in us. And if it's him doing the work, he's going to see us all the way to the end. This is what Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it all the way to completion at the day of Christ. He's not going to drop you along the way. Philippians 2.13 in the, the New Living says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's God doing the work. That's the hope. When we place our souls in his hands, he will see to it that we get all the way to the end. And he's warning us, make sure you've put your heart in his hands so that you will get there. God is gracious to warn us over and over again in scripture of the consequences of not following him. And here he's asking us to check your hearts. Are you following him? Have you made him his Lord? Are you submitting to his will? Is your heart willing to follow him? And believers hear these passages and they're spurred on to get it right with God. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you can be sure that you won't end up in this place. In fact, Hebrews 10, 35, and 36, it says, Look at, don't throw away your confidence or faith because it has great reward. You have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. I love that phrase, you're in need of endurance. Do you feel like you're in need of endurance this morning? It's hard to live out the Christian life, right? It's hard. We know this. God's saying, draw near to me, hold fast to the gospel truth, and I'm going to get you through to the end. Keep the confidence, keep the hope, you will get there. And when you get there, it's going to be a really great reward. And it's not based on what you've done. This is based on Christ and what He's done. So we can keep going. And He says, when you get there, you're going to get salvation, an eternal life, and you'll be in the presence of God forevermore. The reward is so great. Don't throw away your confidence in what we're walking in. The world wants to take away our hope, get us sidetracked, and there is great danger And if we walk away from God, and yet God says, I'm doing a work in you, and if you'll walk with me, we'll get there, and you will get the reward. It's going to be really, really good. And then look at this third imperative that the author gives us. This is really the third part. Of the Christian life. He said, look it, draw near to God. He's saying, persevere to the end. And then he gives us a little instruction about really how we're going to do this. That if we're going to do this, we need to meet together and encourage one another in Jesus. Okay, this is Hebrews ten twenty four through 25. So again, based on the, who Jesus is and what he's done, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, believers, we need a constant prodding from one another to s- persevere in Jesus. He, you know, it's like we're kind of like those little spring-loaded cars. You ever had these as a kid or maybe you've given some to your kids? You pull them back and then they zoom real fast for a second and then just and then they stop, right? This is kind of us in our Christian life. Week to week, we may shoot out of this door on Sunday morning, we're going for Jesus, but by about Friday night, we're done, right? And he's saying, if we're going to persevere, we're going to draw near to Jesus, we're going to keep going, we've got to be pulled back and wound up again. And that's what we do when we get together. You know, God's best plan to motivate Christians to persevere in the faith has been regularly gathering in the body of Christ. We do that on Sunday mornings. We do that in different groups throughout the week. Regularly gathering to motivate each other, to encourage each other, to remind us of the hope that we have in Christ. I can honestly say, besides spending personal time with the Lord, there has been nothing more important in my growth as a Christian than being part of a church community. Bar none, nothing. Nothing. My Christian walk with God would not be where it was had I not regularly met with Christians and been filled up and motivated and reminded and challenged. And Beyond that, I can say all of the best friends I've had in life come out of the church. I'm still friends with guys from the second and third and seventh grade that I was in Sunday school with, and we still call each other and text every week and make sure we're walking with Jesus. We encourage one another to keep walking with Jesus. Listen, you've got to walk with other believers if you're going to persevere. And when the body gathers, see, we get this tangible experience of God's love towards us. See, God designed the body in a way that each one of us has the Holy Spirit. And when you come here and you allow yourself to be ministered to by another believer, it's God working through that person to you. And vice versa, God gets to work through you to another person. This is the beauty of gathering together. This is the way God motivates us and keeps us going. And through the years, it's been friends at church that Jesus has used to encourage me when I'm down. You ever experienced that? Remind me of the hope when I've forgotten what hope is. (laughs) In fact, Kevin this week was telling me, come on, Jared, stop saying I hope so. This is a sure hope, right? Keep going. Believe what God has said. Correct me when I'm living in sin. Motivate me when I'm apathetic towards the gospel. There are people that I've shared my greatest joys with and my greatest sorrows with. I've never laughed harder and been more joyous than worshiping with friends in the church, and I've never cried harder with friends in the church when we've experienced loss together. This is God's plan. And you won't persevere in the Christian life if you don't regularly gather with Christians. You won't do it. In fact, I was talking to another brother on Friday night, and we both agreed, when you stop going to church, you've now set yourself on a pathway away from God. It's that easy. And I've seen it time and time again. People who stop attending church begin to drift into sin, begin to lose their way, begin to question God. Their theology gets crazy. And many of them end up walking away from the faith. He's saying the way to get around this is you get together with brothers and sisters in Christ and you will make it to the end. This is how we persevere. So I want to challenge you as we come into the new year. Would you make gathering with the body of Christ regularly? Would you commit to doing that? Many of you do that, right? That's why you're here this morning. But some of you struggle with it. And I want to challenge you. He's saying this is part of the Christian life. Draw near to Jesus, persevere, and gather with Christians. It's that simple. And you will grow, and you will change, and God will be with you. And, you know, we always have our yeah buts, right? Yeah, but I've been hurt by people in the church. Yeah, you've been hurt by people out of the church too. That's because we live in a broken world. And our sin natures come against each other and we're going to hurt each other. And I want you to see this. God designed the church where broken people would come together around the gospel and we're going to run into each other. That's his plan. He wants you to get hurt by somebody else in this room so that you learn how to extend the gospel to them. You learn how to love that person when they're unlovable And you learn to extend them the forgiveness that Jesus has extended to you. And when you both do that together, then you're going to grow in Jesus. And you're going to persevere. You're going to keep going. And so I want to challenge you to commit to being in a body of believers in this new year. And he also tells us this. We meet together as a body. We have jobs to do, right? On Sunday, I have a job to teach, to preach, to lead this congregation, to encourage you guys, to meet with you personally. I've been called and gifted to corporately motivate and encourage you in the gospel. But he's saying right here, you have a job to encourage and motivate people just as well. That you don't just come to hear and take, but you come to encourage and to motivate. Who's God calling you to motivate in this room? Who's he put you in with friends in this room to encourage and help them to keep going? That's part of what we do to keep going in our Christian life. Pull their car back, right? Wind them up. Let yourself be wound up so that we can keep going in Jesus. Now, it's interesting in this passage, the author does a little encouraging to the believers to keep them going as well. And he does it by reminding them of how they've persevered in times past. Look at verses 32 through 38. He says, look it, I'm calling you to persevere, and I know you can persevere, because I've seen you do it. In fact, here's some ways. Here's some of the fruit I've seen in your life because you are in Jesus. He reminds him, I've seen you endure lots of suffering because you had Jesus. Right? Sometimes you even were publicly humiliated and afflicted, and yet you stood your ground because you knew the hope you have in this gospel. And Listen, Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He said, we're going to suffer, but he said he'd be with us. And if we have that hope rooted in our soul, we can get through it, right? He's saying, I've seen that in you, believers. I've seen you have compassion for those in prison. I've seen the the love of the gospel pour out of you to other people. I've seen you even be joyful when people came and took your property. Hear that, Americans, because you believe the gospel. He's referring to the fact that many of the Jewish background believers in Rome had their possessions seized by the government because they were Christians and were considered a threat. And they came and took their property. And he says, you gladly let them do it because you believed the gospel, because you believed you had something far better than this world could ever give you. (laughs) I think God is reminding us here even at Christmas time, where do you place your hope, right? Is it in all the gifts and all the stuff? Or is it in Jesus? We have a far better hope than anything that could come under the tree. And so he's taking us back to the basics of the gospel, and Benji can come on up, right? Draw near to Jesus, persevere in Jesus, and get around people that do so that we can help each other keep going. And then I like how this passage ends. Paul is confident of what God has done in Jesus in us and what he's doing in this body of believers. Look at this. He said, look, we have a great hope of salvation in Christ so we should draw near to God. He's told us that we can persevere because he is faithful. God is faithful. And so we should keep going in that hope. And he reminds us that he will come back with a great reward. Jesus is coming. This will get better. You will be completely saved. And then he says this in verse 10, 39. I think he says it to us as a church this morning. He says, look it, we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. He's saying, look at if you're in Jesus, you're not going to shrink back. This is the promise of the gospel. You're not going to shrink back. You're going to make it because you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you. The Spirit of God will compel you to keep going, and you can bet your life on it. God may take you through some really hard times, but God has promised to be there with us and to get us through. You have a sure hope in the gospel. The deal is done. You are perfectly accepted by God. He's helping you grow into what it means to be a Christian, and then He will save you. And we're confident of that hope. So let's place our hope in Him. Let's draw near to Him. Let's not stop meeting together. And Jesus will get us there. Father, thank You for this morning. Thank You for Your goodness to us, God. Lord, we thank You for this inexpressible hope that we have in the gospel. Father, that we could be made right with You, that our sins are washed away that we can feel the guilt taken away from our conscience, the shame. All of it can be gone in Jesus' blood, and you are perfectly happy with us. You love us. Father, help us to run to you in our times of sin. Help us to run to you in the hard times. Help us to run to you with praises and thankfulness. God, help us to persevere in you because we know you are working in us. And God, help us to commit to being with believers so that we can motivate each other to keep going as we see the day drawing near. God, we look forward to your sons coming again to rescue us. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.